if you will stand with us in worship.
Stop. 
Mark for our announcements. Good morning. Uh, my name is Mark Klepsig. I serve on the board here at Church in the Valley and really want to welcome you uh, this morning, whether you're here in the courtyard with us or you're watching from home or watching later in the week. Uh, welcome. Uh, if you're our guest today, we want to give you a special gift. It's a book that says that's called How Good is Good Enough and really answers that question. So if you'd like to take that for yourself or for a friend or family member, we encourage you to grab one of those uh, from the table over here, our guest resource table. Um, so you can find the song lyrics or the listening guide for the sermon today um, or the connection card at civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. And if you're here with us today uh, physically, then you should have been offered a paper copy of those things. If not, feel free to get up and go grab one of those uh, over on the table. Um, there's also kids' worksheets. So, you know, if you'd like to color or if you do have kids, uh, feel free to grab one of those as well. Um, there's also uh, the offering is envelopes are in the packet that you've been given. So if you want to support the work financially here that we do, it's Church in the Valley, please uh, give that in one of the buckets that's placed around, also one on the table as well. Um, and we do ask uh, that if you, if you remember before you leave, if you could drop off the pens and the, uh, the offering envelopes and the recycling, you can put that in the bucket there and we'll take care of that for you as well. So we announced last week, uh, some of you know that Rick Durst, who's been our interim for many months, his last regular speaking day is today. And so Rick, we really uh, are grateful for you and appreciate that and are looking forward to the message that you bring today. If you get a chance, just um, express your gratitude and let Rick know how uh, some of his talks have touched you today. Uh, not to say that we won't see him again because we've warned him that we're gonna call on him to come fill in from time to time. And he's said, he's been very gracious about that. So again, thank you very much. We do appreciate uh, your faithfulness over several months. So summer plans, we've been, uh, we, we had a, a survey and we've been announcing that we do have a couple of training opportunities. And so we have in the next three weeks, some events to kick off those opportunities and uh, I encourage you to take advantage of those. So coming up first on Sunday, June 13th, here at the Alhambra from four to 6 p.m. Um, is an event we're calling Parenting Roundtables. So there'll be time to sit uh, in some smaller clusters with uh, three different couples who've launched children. Not that they're experts, but uh, certainly know some things that have helped, uh, some things we wish we've done differently. Um, and then there'll be light refreshments and childcare provided. So we encourage you to sign up on your connection card to let us know if you're coming. So we have enough of both of those things for you. Uh, we would like to really um, support the parents and make that possible. So we're looking for uh, babysitters. If you want some kid time, some baby time, feel free to uh, also sign up on your connection card or let Stacy, my wife know. Um, and then we'll be following that first event by some smaller groups and sometimes for one-on-one -on -one or two-on-two -two mentoring. And so really encourage you to come to that. If, you know, we know summer's starting, if you're traveling on uh, the 13th and can't make that event, let us know on your connection card if you'd like to take advantage of some of the uh, later follow-on opportunities and we'll get that information to you. So the second uh, way that we're providing training is with young adults. So going to hold off on some of the details, but we will be having a fun night, a social event on Friday, June 18th, and we'll be giving you some of those details out as soon as they are available, but really mark that, save the date, uh, June 18th, uh, yes, June 18th. So once again, we're glad that you're here with us today or online, and uh, we're going to worship together with one more song before Rick comes up and gives his message. Thanks. So stand with us.
Dear Heavenly Father, um, God, I just thank you again so much for this morning um, and for this time together. Um, God, I just pray that um, as Rick comes up to speak, that you would just give him the words and give us the ears to listen and the heart, the open hearts um, to receive. Um, God, I pray that you would just grant us focus and that you would just move in our hearts this morning, that you would make us into the people that you desire us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So come up, Rick. Thank you for that introduction, and also thank you for the worship. I really enjoyed it. Um, wow, thank you. What service. It's, uh, you know, as, as was shared, uh, it's been my privilege to be the regular substitute preacher here for some months, and you know, meeting you and getting to know you, um, even through a cyber mechanism there. Uh, you know, I look forward to, I, I'm the kind of person, I, uh, I think I asked my wife to marry me on the first date. I just like long-term relationships. So um, uh, I'm your friend. Just call on me. All right. And uh, 
Look forward to it. Be always be praying for you guys. Typically, the way I remind myself to pray for things is when I, from now on, probably the rest of my life, when I see Alhambra, I'm going to pray for you guys. Uh, and you pray for me, too. I, I have to think of something really good to remind you to pray for me, but uh, maybe I'll think of it by the end of this message. Uh, today is, uh, in the Christian calendar, Trinity Sunday. Um, I don't think I've ever said that before to anybody. Um, Trinity Sunday is the Sunday after Pentecost Sunday, which was last Sunday. And I don't know if Dr. Taylor was here and preached on the Holy Spirit, you know, for Pentecost Sunday. Um, and I thought, well, why did they make Trinity Sunday the Sunday after Pentecost Sunday? I guess because, you know, Jesus, you know, he gets uh, Easter like crazy there. So he gets his day and the Spirit gets Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Easter. The Holy Spirit fell in the book of Acts and can't leave the father out. So maybe that's where Trinity comes in. I'm not sure. Uh, but tomorrow then is uh, Memorial Day. So it, this is uh, a real ripe season for us. Now, I got schooled yesterday on the difference between Memorial Day, Veterans Day, and Armed Forces Day. Now, maybe you know that. Um, but, you know, on Memorial Day, we're remembering those uh, who lost their lives um, in, in battle. And uh, I saw one line that said, Memorial Day is when we remember those who never got to take their uniform off. And on Veterans Day, which is November 11th, we remember those who retired from the military or their service in the military, and they got to take their uniform off. Mm -hmm. And then there's Armed Forces Day, which is remembering those that are currently in service. So, you know, there are three significant times to remember those that are in service. And if you're here as a veteran or you're currently in service, you know, thank you for your service. Um, it means way more uh, than maybe you realize to us. You know, I, I, one thing, you know, there's a lot of things in America that don't seem to be going very well. But one thing that's going well, I think, is... Um, the appreciation that I see in public for those in service. Um, and I see it in the airports. I see it on the planes. Um, and so I, I'm grateful for that's kind of turned around. I haven't seen it like that uh, since uh, the Vietnam War. Um, now, uh, in a moment, we're going to look at um, the scripture. There are several places in scripture where it says, in remembrance. Uh, God wants us to have a good memory about certain things, for sure. He wants us to not ever forget. And um, it's interesting to me that in Genesis chapter 9, God is the first one to set up a memorial. Uh, the rainbow is a memorial that follows uh, God's judging the earth and you know, causing the rains to come, and uh, he just cleanses the planet. Now, he secures, you know, the genetic uh, codes and all of that with the those that are on the ark, you know, whatever species or uh, humanity there. So he preserves that, but he cleanses everything out. It's a total reboot. Took it down and rebooted everything. And, you know, the scripture says God is, or I'll put it in C.S. Lewis's word, um, God is not tame. He's wild, but he's good. And the scripture says repeatedly, don't mock God. God cannot be mocked. God does judge. God does have wrath. And we see there in that Noahic flood, what happens when God lets his wrath out. So the rainbow is a memorial that God made a promise, I won't do it this way again. I won't pour my wrath out like this again. And the rainbow is a memorial, it says to God, not to pour out your wrath that way. Very interesting. Now, if your God is omniscient as our God is, why does he need a memorial to remember? Um, now, one of the things I love to see are aerial photographs of rainbows and occasionally they'll catch it just right and you can see like four or five rainbows across the rainy horizon um 
But imagine, uh, you know, if it works this way, a divine perspective, you can see rainbows all across the globe to remind him, it's his marker for himself, not to pour out wrath again like this. You know, when God might feel very motivated to do a royal slapdown of the whole planet. Uh, you know, I have a friend who is wrestling with giving his life to Christ. And the, the wrestling moment is he knows how small this planet is. And why would the God of the universe, if there is a God in his mind, why would the God of the universe care so much about this little speck of, you know, third rock from the sun? You know, why doesn't it just go like this? <laughs> and the rainbow is God saying, I won't flick the earth again like that. Um, he'll be patient. He'll wait. Now, we shouldn't take advantage of that waiting, of course. Um, but God himself has some things he doesn't want to forget. And that rainbow is a memorial. Uh, in Genesis chapter 8, verses uh, uh, 9 through 17, I won't read all those because there's some other verses I want to focus on. To remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living, living creature that's on earth. It's not just between us and humanity. It's between uh, uh, God and us, but also creation. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing in the ark. So God remembers. God remembers. Now, if you study this idea of God remembering, it doesn't mean God brings whatever he's remembering, in this case, humanity, uh, brings humanity back into cognitive recognition, recollection. When God remembers, it means he's taking action Towards us, he's putting us back together. He's putting us back on course. When God remembers, stuff happens. Uh, I had a friend, uh, uh, I never took him for a class, but uh, in college, uh, he, he didn't like the song, Do Lord, or Do You Remember Me? You know that old chorus? Do Lord, or Do You Remember Me? And I won't sing it to you because you will never get it out of your head for the rest of the day, maybe the whole weekend. But he didn't like that because it sounded like God needed to remember because he'd forgotten us. What he didn't recognize is that remembering is God's action in keeping his promises to us to put us back together. Um, I mean, have you had a Humpty Dumpty experience this week where you fell off the wall, so to speak? And your life's all cracked up. And God is the one who remembers us in those moments and puts our lives back together. And so I say, do Lord, do you remember me? Put me back together. Now, memorials are markers to jog our memories. Have you got some more memorials yet? You know, we have national ones. We have stateside ones. We have city memorials. But we also have personal memorials, things that keep us on track. Things that jog our memories so we get back in the right direction, right perspective. Now, you should choose your memorials carefully because, you know, they're going to be with you a long time. And you need to tend them regularly for then they have the action of that. Um, now, let me step back and be the, the theologian for a minute. Um, baptism. Christian baptism, you know, immersion, dunking you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that comes at the beginning of your walk of discipleship. And the Lord's Supper, now we're not having the Lord's Supper today. I remember this little boy, he saw this table, you know, uh, uh, the table where all of the servings for the Lord's Supper were right there. And he turns to his friend and he says, uh-oh, it's going to be a very long sermon today because they brought refreshments. Um, we didn't do that. It's not going to be a long sermon today. But um, the, the Lord's Supper is remembering what God has done for us in giving his son to die for us, that our sins could be taken away. And that's a remembering. All right. So we come to faith by expressing it publicly by baptism. But we continue to check into our disciple life with one another. At communion. So that's the continuing process for that. You know, I, I love the analogy of um, uh, 
you know, 5K, 10K, and every so often in the race, there's a table for refreshing. And that's like the Lord's Supper table. Those of us who's committed to run the race of the Christian faith, we're going to need a place to check up and get refreshed. And that's what communion is about, doing it together. So um, this is not an unfamiliar passage, but in Luke, Jesus institutes this check-in, check-up, refresh-up process. For I tell you, I will not eat it, this Lord's Supper, again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom. These are in the notes, so if you've got access to the notes, otherwise look at Luke 22, chapter, uh, verse 16. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Jesus loves stuff that's full. <laughs> he loves stuff that's fulfilled. Uh, until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I'm not going to drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. And he took bread and gives thanks. He broke it, gave it to them. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, if you've had some, uh, some training and maybe are aware of um, how the Passover celebration, the cedar service is conducted uh, by the Jewish community, you know that what Jesus is doing, he's, he's adding, he's reconstructing the meaning of that Passover meal and putting it in terms of the new covenant. That's the first covenant where they're delivered out of um, slavery in Egypt so that God would have his people and put them in this promised land. And now this in Jesus is the new covenant. And... Uh, this uh, breaking the bread and the cup is symbolic of the new covenant. Uh, so he takes the bread. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper and said, this cup is the new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. So this is a, a memorial to remember, to put ourselves back together. And one of the things I love about uh, uh, communion and, and, and doing it together is that it's together, but uh, uh, it's also remembering that sometimes we do come unglued. And to have a time in worship according to the Lord where we can get the glue back together and be remembered and remember him and what he's done for us. Now, I still remember the very first time I took communion. It was in a Baptist church in Riverside. And when they served the bread, it was a microscopic cracker. Do you ever had one of those? Tasteless cracker. Um, you know, it was like somebody had a square hole punch. And they took, you know, like war surplus biscuits. And, you know, I, I chewed on it, swallowed it, and I wondered why would the Lord have a supper that's so teensy? <laughs> and, and I realized it's not in the what, it's in the why that makes the meal meaningful. Um, now, years, decades later, I was uh, in charge of the middle school uh, group at our church as a volunteer. And uh, I borrowed a bunch of toaster ovens and I fixed the problem with that bread. And we had toasted Lord's Supper bread with sugar and cinnamon on it. And attendance went up. <laughs> um, and uh, it, it really smelled good and everything. It was just, it was, it was great. And then I convinced, you know, we, we ate it first in the class, but then I, I convinced the church to have our leftovers. We had enough for the whole church. Um, now, now, I'm not recommending you do that here at CIV, but, you know, to the elders and so forth. I'm just saying that. Um, consider that recipe. Now, historically, there are four recipes for that bread that goes in the communion. One of those recipes is a long Latin word that, that basically means transubstantiation. And you got this in the notes here. And this, this is the recipe that, uh, you know, so to speak, cooks up uh, communion at the Roman Catholic Church and also at the Anglican Church, um, Church of England. 
or Episcopalian, I'll say it that way. And it asserts that the bread and the wine uh, are, are real. They, in, there's a moment in the service when the priest will say, this is my body. And I have a friend who teaches liturgy in the Rome, teaches priest liturgy. And she um, has some sort of uh, scanning uh, tool that identifies the students, how high they raise their hands. And she insists that they raise their hands above their head before they say those words. So when the, the priest lifts up the cup and lifts up the crackers or the, the bread, and says, this is my body, quoting from John chapter 6, verse 35, this event of transubstantiation, this miracle happens. That's when it, it gets cooked, so to speak. It gets transformed. And if you're familiar with that, maybe you were raised in that tradition, um, the, the priest will then set it down on the table, the altar, and bow to it, because now it, in, in this recipe, it's become God in the, in, in the cracker, God in the wine. Um, Christ is there, and so worship is attended to it. Um, and, it, it, you know, it, I'm not making anything up. If you read the book, Angela's Ashes, uh, it tells about Irish Catholicism. And if you spill that wine, you've spilled God. And so for centuries, they would not allow lay people to take it because they spilled it so much. So they came up with a teaching of theology that said, um, if you have... One, you have both, so they could just serve the cracker. Now, when the Protestant Reformation happened, the very first thing Luther did is gave the cup back to the laity. Even though the first time he celebrated communion, he was so nervous, his dad was there, um, that he, he, he might have spilled some himself. He was just shaking so much because he had God in his hands. or you know, And that's for him was all a terrifying way until he found out that salvation is by grace, not by works, by grace through faith. So transubstantiation. Now, Luther, um, you know, as a, an ordained Catholic priest, he always had a problem with something. He said, now, look, if transubstantiation is true and the wine becomes the blood of Christ and the bread becomes the flesh of Christ, why does it still look like wine and bread? And he said, you know, there really must be two miracles going on. One, God really does change it. And so we have the, the medicine of heaven in our hands, so to speak. But then there's another miracle to make it still look like bread and still look like wine. So he came up with an alternate recipe in the Protestant Reformation called consubstantiation. Meaning that, yes, um, the bread does become the flesh of Christ, but it's still bread too. So con-sub means the substance is now two, con, with together, consubstantiation. And so that was the doctrine, and that's the doctrine that's practiced in the Lutheran churches to this day. Third, um, again, out of the Protestant Reformation, uh, John Calvin and others with him in what we now call the Reform Movement, Calvinist, if you will, Presbyterian Church comes out of this. And they practice that it doesn't really change the substance, but God is really present, really present when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, this um, uh, Church in the Valley comes out of a tradition that fits the fourth one, and that's commemoration. Jesus said, do this in remembrance, and that's the focus, remembering what Christ did for us on the cross. So it's about remembering not about imbibing so much. Now, I have one friend who, you know, points at me because he's a real presence guy. And he says, yeah, but Rick, the way you have the Lord's Supper, there is no presence at all. You know, God's out of the picture. And I said, you know, he's just making fun of me. What the scripture says is in remembrance, remembering. Um, and that's a very powerful word in scripture. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. And when we have communion together, it's an amazing thing that can happen, you know, as we celebrate that and remember it together. Now, let's look at the biblical recipe. I gave you the historical and sometimes hysterical uh, recipes, but let's look at the biblical recipe. And 
um, let's, uh, can I be a, this is not really my uh, nature, but I'd like to be a a grammar dictator for just a minute. Um, When you read scripture, let me encourage you to pay attention uh, to the verbs and determine is this verb in the past tense, the present tense, or the future tense. Uh, But just as important as that, we have a tendency, it's always been there, uh, to turn verbs into nouns. Now, verbs is doing stuff. Nouns just sit there, right? And so Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. It's a doing thing. Um, And so I, I, I failed my test right here because you see, as I'm telling the biblical recipe, I said, commemoration. Could you cross out the last couple of letters and just put commemorate? That's more biblical. Let's make it a verb again. That's how Jesus used it. And don't put anticipation. Put anticipate. Let's get more verbs in our faith and less nouns. Reconciliation should be just reconcile. Reconcile. Um, So, commemorate. And the word commemorate means to remember together. I love that. Don't do it by yourself. Do it together. Uh, back in the um, you know, decades past, you could have a private mass. You could remember by yourself, so to speak, in communion. But, but the scripture says to do it together. There's something when you do it together. Um, share a meal together. Uh, it strengthens and heals our relationship. You know, a lot of healing can happen over food. I remember um, the church where I was pastor, there'd been a big split and uh, now it was two churches. Both churches were growing. But when a church member saw a church member from the other church that had split off um, in the grocery store, they would just go to a different aisle. They wouldn't see, you know, they wouldn't spend time together. But I happened to know everybody in my church was addicted to pie. So I said, let's have a joint Thanksgiving service and bring pie. And so I set tables up and I told my church people, look, don't sit with people from our church. Sit with people from their church and share some pie. And that that was a reconciling event for them. They didn't have to avoid anybody anymore because they'd shared pie and conversation. Um, you know, eating together has that, that sense. Another uh, grammatical issue is what mood is the verb in? <laughs> you know, sometimes we don't think about this, but verbs are moody. They have a mood. Is it subjunctive mood in the sense of Something that might or might not happen. Some shoulds or coulds or woulds. Those are subjunctive. Um, It it might be imperative. Do you have anybody in your life who only talks in the imperative mood? Whenever they say something, it's bossy. (laughs) Uh, It's an order to be carried out. I love that about Jesus. He's not a bossy. Now, he can boss. He can command. But he's not bossy. Because most of the stuff that he says is in the indicative mood. He just declares what is. Um, Our salvation in Christ is a what is thing. Um, It's been done for us and it's ours to receive. Uh, So look for the indicative mood and be careful. If you're interpreting scripture, trying to understand scripture, make sure the mood that you're thinking matches the mood that's in scripture and you really get somewhere. You really enjoy that. Um, So when we commemorate, we are restoring things into right priority. You know, if I believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead and that Christ is the living Lord, what have I really got to be afraid of? It puts perspective my life anticipate and jesus said i'm not going to eat this again i'm not going to drink this again until i come in my kingdom so christ is coming he's coming again 
Maybe the glasses are already on the table and the wine is already in the cup. The angels have got the bread coming out of the oven. I don't know. But if we have that kind of hope, you and I can get through harder times faithfully and get through it well. You know, a lot of marriages come apart in tough times. And there's a lot of tough times in life. But if you have hope, hope gives you coping skills. Hoping skills are coping skills. Anticipate. Live with anticipation. And reconcile. Um, you know, sometimes when we get into fights and fusses and feuds, we, we think we've lost our walk with the Lord. We think we've lost our ministry. According to 2 Corinthians 5.8, you don't even have a ministry until you need to reconcile. You know, we're ministers of reconciliation. I mean, what good is an ambassador, right? The job of an ambassador is to go to a foreign country and bring about reconciliation between their government and ours. That's the job. And we are ministers of reconciliation between heaven and earth. That's our job. Um, that's why when the Holy Spirit works in your life and in my life, there's a dignity that comes in because we're behaving ambassadorial. We're willing to get into those things to generate conversations that can bring about reconciliation. Um, now, I, I want to cheat. Next Saturday, I start a class that's going to go four Saturdays in a row. This is in Ontario, uh, where I teach at Gateway Seminary. And it's on racism and reconciliation in theological perspective. I've never taught this course before. I don't think it's been taught at the seminary or anything like it for 35 years, although we, we touch on it in many other classes. Uh, so pray for me. Pray for us. Uh, because the goal by the final Saturday is that every person, myself included, we have a personal manifesto of um, how I will be, that I will be, I better get my tenses right, moods right, uh, a minister of reconciliation. The scripture says you are a minister of reconciliation. If you've given your life to Christ, part of what comes with that is your ambassador role, your ministry role to bring about reconcile, to make two into one, to bring back together. There's a miracle in conversation because Christ is present when we gather together to be about reconciliation. Uh, so that means that maybe, maybe, you need to develop a theology of anger. <laughs> you know, the scripture says, be angry, but sin not. Be angry, but sin not. Could you say that with me? Be angry, but sin not. It's okay to be angry. It's what you do with the anger that counts. You can't help being angry, right? I mean, leaving church today, if I just happen, happen to step on your toes, that may make you really angry. Whether I meant it or not. Now, what are you going to do with that? Be angry, but sin not. Do it, you know, respond to it God's way. Learn how to handle your anger God's way. And scripture says, when you get into a, an angry situation, be a minister of reconciliation for Christ. In the name of Christ, be reconciled one to another. Um, I, Neil, I don't know if you've ever done this, but Years ago, I was in this, this meeting, and man, there were some angry people there. And I could feel my heart starting to beat faster. I could see, feel my adrenaline begin to flow. And then I said, you know what, Lord, if I'm ever going to be helpful to you in situations like that, like this, I need you to help me not give in to my adrenaline. And ever since then, that's happened. Now, I mean, do you... Are you self-aware of your blood pressure? <laughs> you know, and I've been in really situations where my heart should be going boom, 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 but it wasn't. And I think it's still an answer to that prayer. He wants me be, to be able to be his spokesman, level-headed, to speak uh, history and truth into the hysteria so people can get back to thinking uh, rationally. Um, how about you? Uh, if you want to do some more study about it, Ephesians 4:25 to 32 is a little uh, mini sermon on handling your anger. Uh, 
But let's let's wrap up to this. Um, God could be calling you today to to remember what was done on the cross. You know, not very far from here is the Los Angeles Cathedral. Have you have you ever been to the Los Angeles Cathedral? It's an amazing structure. And it's so big, when you go inside, there can be a wedding going on over here, a funeral over there, and it doesn't disturb anything. It's just amazing. But if you go through it and go on the back side, there is a, uh, kind of a, it's, it's not dirt, it's a fancier name than that, but it's, you know, it's, it's out, out in the dirt. There's um, an enactment, a statue, a big statue going on. Jesus is being crucified. So he's laying there like this. There's a Roman soldier going like this, about to pound the stake. And uh, the, the caption on the statue is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's amazing. I really recommend you go see it. And for us to remember, maybe this is what you need to do right now. Remembering Christ died for you. Forgiveness is yours. Cry out for it. Ask for it. He'll forgive you. So maybe you need to trust his cross. That he really does make you right with God. That's why God sent him. Maybe you're, what God's calling to you to do is look at the future. Get back in the race and run for the finish line. Run for the faith. Get back into ministry. Get back into service. Run the race with hope. Or uh, live in the present. Don't allow anything to separate you from others with the love of God in Christ Jesus. You know, in Romans chapter 8, it says, Nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Um, I once superglued my hand in the refrigerator. Not intentionally. Uh, I did make it out. All digits intact. I won't tell you the whole story. You can ask me later. But I think God wants us to live with super glue in our relationships. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Um, I'm a mess because when I meet people, I don't let go very easy. I'll stick with them, whether they like it or not. Um, and I think that's how the Lord wants us to live. Um, and to care about people and keep caring, even when they think the way they've lived and acted, no one could care about them. That's especially the time I want to show up for them, with them. Allow nothing to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Live in the present that way. Maybe that's what God's speaking to you about. Uh, calling on you um, on this day before Memorial Day. Do that in remembrance of him. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much that today, today, your spirit is here with us in such a powerful way. Uh, make your words, maybe the words in the songs, the words in the prayers, the words in what I've said, make them live, Lord. Make them call us to the life you want us to have today. There's a person here who's just always been on the line, but never crossed the line, trusting in faith. May they cry out for forgiveness. May they cry out to you, asking you, Father, to be the Lord of their life. May they commit themselves to follow Christ and to learn about him and to take their place in this fellowship called Church in the Valley. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Rick. Um, as we head into this next song, um, let it be a moment of reflection for you guys. Um, you can sit or stand, whatever you feel comfortable with, but yeah, we'll get started.
Jesus bled and 
you for what you did for us on the cross. Um, thank you that you have allowed us to um, just live in, in salvation and in grace. Um, God, I pray that we would just be in constant remembrance of that, um, that communion would just always be a memorial for us. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would dwell with us, your Holy Spirit would dwell with us this morning and for the rest of the week, um, and you would just guide our steps God, um, as we walk with you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here this morning. Um, and we're, we're finished. You're dismissed. <laughs>